The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome. Today we're talking about utilities. We only think about them when we flip a switch and, uh-oh, the power doesn't come on. Right? Be honest. You don't think about your power company, your water company, until something goes on, but goes wrong. But, however, utilities are businesses. Think about it. They have to play to win, just like any company does, in a very competitive arena. They've got infrastructure to deal with. They've got government. Uh-huh. They've got supply chains, they've got economic forces, and OMG, customer challenges. We all know what that means because we're all consumers of utilities, where we live, where we work, etc. So, Ovum Stewart Raven warns, business and technology pressures are combining to create a virtuous or vicious cycle, I'm going to go with vicious cycle, disrupting the utility business model. Utilities are struggling. Question today is, can they survive? And the answer is yes. The Smart Grid Library's Christine Herzog helps utilities succeed in the smart grid ecosystem. Some of you are wondering, what is smart grid? I'll give you a quickie here. According to smartgrid.gov website, the implementation of smart grid technologies is revolutionizing electric delivery in the U.S. to meet the needs of the 21st century economy. Transformation to a smarter grid will increase reliability, efficiency, and security of the country's electrical system. Encourage consumers to manage their electricity use. Oh, if we only could do that. Reduce greenhouse gas emissions and allow the integration of all clean energy sources and electric vehicles into the grid of tomorrow. Okay, I know there's somebody who's a fan. It's name is Roque Marino. He's at Cobb EMC. He says the smart grid is the next frontier for oil utilities. They have to do it now or later. However, not such a rosy picture. James McClelland at SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Team says the smart grid movement is real but will only achieve its goals if utilities improve their relationship with their end customers to properly market and reward energy efficiency so enough from me join us for game-changing innovation can the smart grid keep the lights on for utilities i'm bonnie de graham and in just a second i'm going to introduce you to my four very special guests Stuart Ravens is Principal Analyst in Ovum's Energy and Sustainability Team. Christine Herzog is Managing Director of the Smart Grid Library. James McClellan, Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Solution Marketing. And Roque Marino, and here, let me call him Marino, I know that for a fact, is Director of Enterprise Business Intelligence. Aha, BI rears its head at Cobb EMC, the second largest EMC in the U.S., providing electric and gas for 460,000 households. 
So let's kick this off. Stuart Ravens, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I, I cited your quote in my opening, Stuart. Just let's spend a brief moment or two talking about this virtuous or vicious cycle that's disrupting the utility business model. Why don't you set the ground for us here so we can run with this? Sure. I think it, it ties in with uh, um, with what James was saying about the consumer um, because it, it, these virtuous or vicious cycles, are, uh, you know, they're, they're very much linked to um, the way utilities go about the, the deploying their, their smart grid and smart metering programs. And uh, um, if, if we look specifically at customer engagement, I've always said customer engagement isn't this vanilla thing that you just do once and then forget about. There's mm-hmm. customer engagement. There's an initial customer engagement, and that's, that's achieving initial buy-in. So that's getting consumers to actually accept the fact that they're going to have a smart meter. So that's telling them that smart meters are essentially a good thing. Um, but, you know, the second stage of consumer engagement is, uh, um, is, is when you start trying to use uh, uh, um, the smart meters to uh, do things like demand response programs, or in fact actually try, try to uh, use smart meters as a channel to uh, um, you know, cross-sell and upsell customers into products and services. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you get the first, the first level of consumer engagement wrong, and, uh, you know, you start off this whole vicious cycle of, uh, um, you know, uh, um, customer bad reaction towards uh, um, smart meters. You know, initially that might be, you know, smart meters are inaccurate, and that leads on to, uh, uh, you know, this vicious cycle of bad press that can go against the smart meter, and it makes the whole, uh, you know, object of the smart smart meter deployment a lot harder to sell into consumers because if they don't accept the smart meter in the first place, they're not going right. to sign up to your demand response programs. Stuart, before I turn to Christine, I just have a quick question for you. Do you think the biggest force that is causing utilities to struggle, what's bigger of the next three, the aging infrastructure, the regulators coming down on them so hard, or customer buy-in to changes? Which one is the top concern with the struggling from your point of view, quickly? Do you know what? I I wouldn't say it's any of those. I'd say it's the utilities themselves. Ah, okay. Let's move on and introduce our second. You know, planning is the key. And, uh, yep. um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily the utility's fault, but I think they're coming at it from the wrong wrong perspective. Smart meters okay. should be, when you're planning for your smart meters, it should be a, a holistic planning process which involves the utilities, the customers, and also the regulators, uh, um, you Great. know, come together and work out exactly what the end goals of the project are. Because too Thank many deployments at the moment, they're, all, they're about let's... technology. It's a technological deployment. And, and there's huge disruption going on with the utilities in terms of this technology deployment. The consumer can often be forgotten about, and actually it's them that, that, that are, are critical uh, uh, within these projects. Thank you, Stuart. And I'm going to bring in the voice of Christine Hertz. Now, Christine, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you in life at the Smart Grid Library? Uh, hi there, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the program today. Pleasure. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I tend to agree with some things that uh, Stuart said about uh, you know, the um, issues that are surrounding uh, change and, and managing change uh, to uh, transition to a smarter grid. Uh, but I do think that uh, regulators are a key influencer here and uh, definitely need to be uh, brought into um, 
uh, a more innovative mindset than uh, some of the, some of them have uh, currently um, uh, demonstrated at this point in time because utilities can simply survive uh, and and move into the smart grid in some form or fashion or they can thrive if they're prepared to make changes but to make those changes they'll definitely need support from regulators and regulators will need support from us as the ratepayers and the ultimate stakeholders in the whole process. Thank you. And I, I have a quote from you I'm going to read here really quickly. Uh, utilities have the opportunity to thrive as we transition to the smart grid. So you are a big proponent of that. We're going to get into more about what you do, how you consult with utilities, and how you go to help them make the transition. So thank you, Christine. Let's turn to James McClellan from SAP. Welcome, James. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having us on the program. Oh, thank you so much. Now, you're saying, and we I quoted you in the beginning, uh, smart grid movement is real. I think we've embraced that concept. We'll only achieve its goals if utilities improve their relationship with end customers. This seems to play right off with what Stuart Ravens from Ovum said in his opening. You want to expand on that just briefly for me, please, James? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's odd that Stuart and myself actually agree sometimes, but uh, uh, <laughs> when you take a look at, at smart grids and what we're trying to achieve with smart grids, it's actually a bit two-pronged. One, you want to have more reliable uh, delivery of energy. Uh, so if you have a more intelligent grid that can be self-healing, yes, that can be championed by a utility. But if we're also marketing off energy efficiency, that we want to change consumer behavior, that I would like the McClellan family to start running their dishwasher or their clothes dryer in what we classify as off-peak hours or times of low demand on energy. Mm -hmm. uh, how do I get James McClellan to do that? How can I incent him to do that? He may be a, a, a real good Samaritan and understand it and say, okay, if I'm going to get a cheaper price for energy, I'm going to do that. And if I start to change my behavior, the consumer does, so it's pinnacle for the utility to be able to reach out to their customer, properly market to their customer, build that relationship with the customer to really be able to market off energy efficiency. And that's getting back to what Stuart was saying. And now mm -hmm. with open markets, uh, we're finding that uh, in marketplaces like Australia and in, in the United Kingdom, we've done some studies and we've seen consumers are actually changing their utility. They're churning at a rate of 30 to 40 percent, which is huge. And that's an awful lot of money crunch to a utility. Thank you. And, and uh, James, I'm particularly happy you made this personal because, as I said in the opening, we're all consumers of power, whether we're in a business, running a business, whether we're at home, and the issues of saving money, being efficient, all of the good things we're talking about impact us on both sides of the where, where do you get out of bed in the morning and where do you make your bread and butter so that you can afford that bed during the day, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm glad that you wrapped it up with the concept of what actually are the customer's concerns and how can they benefit. And we are going to, of course, talk about the business aspect, but happy to have that full circle. And I'm so glad you agree with Stuart from time to time. <laughs> Fascinating. It's also personal. Uh, we're going to bring on our fourth panelist before we finish up here. We have two minutes till the end of this segment. Roque Marino, I'm allowed to call you Marino, Director of Enterprise BI for Cobb EMC. Welcome, Marino. How are you today? Thank you, for, thank you so much for helping for having me. Oh, oh, well, I'm, I'm helping and I'm having you. This is great. Now, I have a question for you. You said the smart grid is the next frontier for all utilities. They have 
to do it now or later. What is your level of embracing smart grid at Cobb EMC as of right today, Marino? Uh, we are totally committed to it. Uh, as some of the listeners may know, uh, Cobb EMC received a grant of $16 million by the Department of Energy to implement this program. At first, there was some discussion, should we do it, when should we do it, and all that. And we realized as a company that uh, uh, every company is eventually going to be embracing the smart grid uh, in one way or the other as far as the water utilities or, or gas or, or electricity. Uh, we think, I think, it is what uh, um, the new world order of, of um, equipment out there. I was giving a presentation not long ago, and I showed a picture of a computer, a phone, and an agenda, and I showed mm-hmm. what these devices look like today. And today, they capture data about you. And that's what the smart meter does. And uh, the, this is so, the efficiencies that the previous uh, speakers just mentioned um, uh, can be achieved. Okay, that's a great lead in. We're going to pick up with that. And I think we'll start the second segment with you talking about what does smart grid do in terms of, ooh, privacy. How much do I really want? I'm here on Long Island, New York. How much do I want LIPA to know about me? How personal do I want them to get? I'd love to reduce my electric bill, of course, but I don't know how much I'm willing to give up in that process. So let's take smart grid and talk about it from the consumer POV when we come back. And when we come back, regular listeners, you know we're going to find out what are my four special guests drinking today, what's in their coffee cup, regardless of what time zone they're in. And we'll be taking some tweets as well from some of our fans. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. Brad, take us away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're going to talk about coffee, first of all. Let's start with my guests, and then we'll take a couple of tweets. So, Stuart Ravens, what's in your cup today? Uh, I'm self-confessed. I I don't drink tea or coffee, I'm afraid. I've got water. And I'm drinking it out of a pot-sized Union Jack mug that my daughter bought me for Christmas. <laughs> that sounds absolutely charming and very healthy. Christine Herzog, what are you drinking today? I've got hot green tea in my mug, which uh, travel all the way from New Zealand. Oh, my goodness. That sounds a little bit exotic. And let's go to James McClellan. What's in your cup today? I am a tea drinker coming out of my SAP-branded cup. Very nice. What kind of tea? I need more details, James. It's just regular black tea. Regular black tea. And Marino, what are you drinking? Just good old-fashioned coffee. Any brand? You want to throw a brand across the line for us? That again? Nope. You want to have a brand? You can tell the brand. We'd love to hear that. Uh, No, I just regular coffee I got from the coffee pot down the hall. There you go. Well, I'm going to read a couple of tweets here. Wendy, the lovely Wendy, is drinking freshly squeezed orange juice, and she's ready to learn about survival tactics for utilities. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. And the beautiful Margot is drinking Starbucks decaf Americano, center of the sun hot. Ooh, Kristen, also in Miami. Uh, let's see. She, oh, this is good. Helping save 75 million pounds of plastic yearly by drinking Aquafina water out of a 50% less plastic Ecofina bottle. Bravo, Kristen. She's on a quest to get into her wedding gown soon. I know you're doing great. And Malcolm is doing it straight with Equator Coffee's Black and Unsweetened. I'm a purist. Yes, we know that about you, Malcolm. So let's get back to the issue of smart grid and how much smart information the utility companies are knowing about us. Marino, you're out there in the trenches with Cobb EMC, second largest EMC in the U.S. First of all, tell us what is an EMC, and then any privacy issues we need to be concerned about? Go ahead. Um, EMC is an electric, it stands for Electric Membership Corporation, where the members okay. of a certain area own the utility companies that provide the energy to them. And um, there are many out there that were set up by the federal government so we could provide electricity for areas that were not provided by for-profit companies. Okay. Um, as far as the the uh, concerns for privacy, um, uh, I get this question several times, and uh, is it, the public should not be concerned about that because we are not uh, in trying or look for what individual consumption is all about. This is about the grid about to build efficiency on the grid. So at some point, we will um, make sure that uh, the, as we cannot store energy, we can distribute the load by inviting the customers to actually um, consume or turn their machine, the dishwasher or the wash machine, late at night at 10 o'clock at night instead of at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's always about. We don't provide energy about John Doe, Janie Doe, and whoever, because okay. this is not even required or requested by the PSC, which is the regulated body for utilities. 
Thank you. That's a good baseline. I'm going to turn to Christine Hertz, our Christine Managing Director of the Smart Grid Library. How do you introduce companies to Smart Grid as a consultant, author, and I love this in your bio, Christine, professional explainer. I've, I've got to start putting that in mind if I can steal that from you. So how do you, how do you introduce companies, utilities, and say you have to do it, this is what it's all about, and this is what you're going to go through, and these are the benefits? Tell me. Well, there's a, a, a good approach where you look at how you have to map out your messaging because uh, smart grid is a, a fairly complicated um, uh, topic, so you have to create building blocks of knowledge and, and first explain a little bit of what the current grid looks like. It's unidirectional. We have generation, transmission, distribution. It's a very simple supply chain, uh, but in the smart grid, it becomes uh, a bi-directional information and uh, electricity network and grid, and it also um, incorporates a couple, well, specifically consumption. Consumers are much bigger players in um, a value chain for energy, let's say. And, and to create that whole concept, then you have to break it down into more digestible sound bites and prepare um, utilities internally with uh, communications and education within their own organization, as well as then mirroring much of the same uh, messaging to external audiences, regulators, uh, ratepayers, and so forth. So it, it becomes a matter then of taking those building blocks and building up the messaging over time to deliver then the, the end vision of this is what we hope to achieve or what we intend to achieve when we have a smart grid. These are going to be the benefits. And again, laying out those benefits in terms of what's in it for me. And you have to again mm -hmm. address it from each of the different audiences. What does it mean for utility for uh, shareholders if it's an investor-owned utility or the members if it's a, a, a cooperative or a municipally-owned power company and so on and so forth. Christine, I was very impressed that your smart grid dictionary is not only available globally, but it's been translated into a bilingual bilingual Chinese-English version. So is this a big concern in China, in APJ right now? Uh, well, yes. The, the uh, modernization of the grid is uh, a, a massive global effort, and it's, it looks different uh, in different regions of the world because in developed countries like the United States and Europe uh, and, and parts of Asia, we have an existing infrastructure, and it's a, a marvelously machined grid, and it's worked incredibly well, but it's reached its limits. But then, on, in contrast, there are other parts of the world where they still have what we would classify as energy poverty, uh, where the people who simply don't have electricity or don't have reliable and safe electricity. Therefore, it's a very different kind of grid and a very different vision of smart grid that's unfolding for uh, those, those nations. Thank you. And I want to ask Stuart Ravens from Ovum. Stuart, uh, you sent me some information about Sam Laidlaw, the CEO of the UK's biggest supplier, British Gas. And you said the old utility business model is dead, according to Sam Laidlaw. He wants 50% of his revenues to come from energy services, not energy supply. So let's shift our conversation to related services. I think of utility as, as I said, 
flip the switch on, power comes on, turn the tap, water comes out. Everybody's hunky-dory. Life goes on as we know it, and it's fine. What are these energy services that British Gas is trying to add to the mix? So there's, uh, I mean, well, if you look historically at British Gas, they've had a, a um, you know, number of different strategies to, uh, uh, um, you know, expand their their non-regulated business. So you know, the energy supply, and and you know, they, they've owned, uh, um, you know, vehicle breakdown insurance. They do home insurance. They do boiler maintenance. They do boiler installation. So sorry, in the UK, we use, uh, um, you know, natural uh, natural gas is the uh, predominant way of heating our homes so um, it's these additional services that, that, that they're targeting their consumers with um, and actually it's interesting when you look at uh, British Gas they're the first movers in the UK in terms of deploying smart meters and you know there are a number of reasons given what their strategy is I, I believe that the principal stra- uh, reason for going early with smart meters is to get into the home so they can use their installer engineers to uh, um, to actually upsell products to consumers interesting I, I'd like to hear James McClellan's take on all of this what do you what do you think you agree that this is you agree with Sam Laidlaw from British Gas that this is the way to go for utilities in general what do you see yeah I think so uh, you know utilities the the margins and profitability for utilities has historically been razor thin mm. and this movement across to to install these new smart meters and smart things and devices all throughout the the network and the grid costs an awful lot of money. These are very capital-intensive actions for utilities. Uh, we started off saying that uh, it was to try and save consumers money or try and save the utility money. Mm-hmm. Let's not kid ourselves. Utilities are not uh, in to, to just donating things. It's, it's a mm-hmm. profit organization, and they Thank have you. to try and sell power at the highest. They want to make as much power and sell it as, at a higher rate as they can and to as many consumers as they can. But that's only one revenue stream. So to be able to try and increase, as Christine was saying, to, uh, you know, we have to take a look at the shareholders as well. Uh, we have to get into new services, whether it's I want to bill for a telecom communication company, the cable company, whether it's through billing or any other new services, as Stuart is alluding to, uh, this is really a, a way that utilities are, are taking a look to, to build new revenue streams. James, will the smart meters, and when we talked with Marino a moment ago about there doesn't seem to be any encroachment upon, oh, my God, they know, uh, you know, they know what cereal I put in my bowl this morning, and they know how many seconds I spent brushing my teeth this morning, etc. Is, is there any question of patterns? Is there an ability for the smart grid to enable the utilities to see patterns in consuming services? Bless you, whoever sneezed. Is there a way that they can say, oh, she turns the lights on from three to five and that's not in the off-peak. We have to market to her, blah, blah, blah. How does that work in terms of knowing what, what our analysis of what we're actually doing with our our energy services. Yeah, you're absolutely right that we do now have, like technology is a point now, that I can take a look and see what the Stuart Ravens or the James McClellan profiles are like, that I wake up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning and you start to see that energy increasing as I take my shower and everybody gets breakfast and then it dwindles off at 7.30 when the kids are away to school and Mom and dad have gone off to work, and it may stay flatline until 
4.30 when the kids start coming home and you start seeing as the TV comes on, up goes a profile up through dinner time, and then it, it dwindles off around 10.30, 11 o'clock when everyone goes to sleep. Absolutely, utilities can do that now. Uh, interesting, very then, interesting. Yeah, go ahead, quickly. We're almost at break, so take us out to break. Go ahead. It's okay, James. Oh, Just finish your thought. But what, we're t- but what we do now is if I can take a look at those type of attributes, maybe it's a family of four, and I compare them with other families of four, is mm-hmm. the McClellan family using more than the average, less than the average, and how can I customize a program or a service for the McClellan family? And that's, that's where utilities want to be. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to take our halfway break. When we come back, let's talk about the B words, big data and business intelligence, where they impact how utilities do what they do so well and how we want them to keep on doing it. I still love those lights going on. I don't know about you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Here we are. Let's talk about big data and business intelligence. And the perfect person to kick off this third segment is Roque Marino, or Marino as we know and love him, Director of Enterprise Business Intelligence for Cobb EMC. Marino, what does BI mean to you at Cobb and big data? How big is it these days from your perspective as an EMC? Well, for us, uh, of course, it's a, it's a huge ta- challenge because it wraps around everything we have been talking about during this program. Uh, every, any time that you go from one read event per month to thousands, literally 35,000 read events in one year, um, so from 12 to 35,000, this has huge implications, and this is per household. So... Um, for us, an electric company, essentially, this means, you know, changing the infrastructure, putting new databases in, making sure that everything works every time. And uh, we use the business objects for our implementation, which uh, mm-hmm. it, it really changed everything for us. But uh, I think that the greatest thing is um, understanding the nature of the data that is out there has um to be treated, sanitized, and it needs to be so accurate, so important, so timely that it provokes an action. That's what it means within a, in a nutshell for us. Thank you. And and is the big data at the point now where we did a show on big data a couple of months ago. We talked about petabytes and zettabytes and names I couldn't even pronounce and still can't even spell them. Is it at the point where it's it's so huge it's overwhelming or do you see a natural and paced progression of this data? You talked about one event a month and 35,000 per household. So uh, how is the progression of the the volume of data, Marino? I think I think that it is manageable and it is natural to it. It is not uh, in a way uh, not overwhelming. We are perfectly capable of dealing with this. When I say we, I mean the utilities in general, the companies mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we have the means and the, 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 the equipment and the, 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 the intelligence as far as people, personnel, to deal with all this. I think the biggest challenge is to um, keep processes flowing in us in ways that it does not impact the customer negatively. So the, making sure that uh, your meter is transmitting your data and then make sure that you can treat the data within the organization and eventually transform that into a bill, that is the challenge with, every time that it happens without a glitch. Uh, I think that's what uh, this is what the utilities will focus from. Thank you. Thank you. Good information. I want to touch back, circle back just for a moment with Stuart Ravens at Ovum on privacy. I have a feeling, Stuart, with all, all of this big data we're talking about with Marino, Cobb, EMC, there, there still have to be some issues. What do you experience from Ovum and your research perspective looking at the whole world of utilities? Any Anything we should be aware of? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, um I, I, I go as far to say that the pri- privacy issues actually killed the smart meter deployment in the Netherlands. It's uh, it's now a, um, a voluntary uh, um, thing that people can opt for a smart meter. They don't necessarily have to take one, and that's uh, you know I, I think it pull, brings us back to you know this whole planning, the whole planning of the uh, planning exercise that has to go into smart metering. You now they didn't take into account the the, the privacy privacy concerns. Uh, that their end users would have about smart meters, and they didn't tackle them up front. And it mm-hmm. led to a snowball effect, and there was a huge customer backlash against smart meters in the country. Um, 
different countries have different approaches to, to privacy. Um, within the UK, um, the smart meters themselves will actually hold the data, for, you know, the meter readings within them, and it's up to the consumers to, to then opt into a service to, to actually provide the utilities with that information. And, uh, um, you know, there's an interesting way that utilities can, can get some of that, uh, uh, get, get consumers to, to buy into sharing that data. If we think about, you know, uh, um, an analogous industry is retail. So when you go to the supermarket, mm-hmm. a lot of people will use their, their uh, um, loyalty cards. Um, and, and retailers collect that data. The consumers know that they're, that the, 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 the retailers are actually taking this, uh, you know, basket analysis, analyzing mm-hmm. it, and then being offered promotions, but they're given something back in return. And I think energy retailers can learn something from high street retailers and actually, you know, give consumers back something uh, um, in return for uh, uh, providing them with their, their, their personal information. Yes, I was going to ask you about what's going on in the U.S. I uh, am part of the National Institute of Standards and Technology Cybersecurity Working Group, which has a subgroup focused on data privacy, specifically Mm -hmm. energy data privacy. And uh, we are, um, as uh, as Stuart has um, alluded, trying to make sure that uh, there are all of all the permutations combinations in terms of use cases where consumer, whether it's uh, commercial, industrial, or residential energy data, uh, may be handled, uh, what is produced, how it is used. We are trying to address that in a whole series of different use cases because it's going to be very important that there's transparency for end users, for stakeholders to understand how data is used and the fact that they basically have ownership of it as the Green Button Initiative in the, in the U.S. has uh, just uh, been rolled out to uh, you know, deliver on that commitment and also to provide utilities with enough information so they can develop the processes and policies around handling of that data. Policy, very important, Christine. And I have another question for you. I know in your pre-show notes you mentioned to me that regulators also play a huge role in shaping the direction and pace of smart grid adoption. I don't know if how the regulators work in other countries, so I'm, I'm assuming you're only talking about U.S., but give us a little insight, information, please, into the role in the adoption. And is this regulators impacting consumer adoption or utilities adopting smart grid? Uh, actually, regulators um, uh, have a, uh, the ability to influence both um, because regulators, and, and one thing to keep clear is in the U.S., we have three different types, uh, well, actually four different types of utilities, but the three main ones are investor-owned utilities, um, municipally-owned utilities, and uh, uh, rural, um, uh, electrical, I should say that as a general statement, but electric co-ops as uh, Marino's uh, company represents. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the um, co-ops and the muni- municipals have a different um, incentive than uh, investor-owned utilities, uh, which are split incentive. They are trying to make a profit to satisfy their shareholders, and they're also trying to meet the, um, the regulated monopoly uh, requirements that are placed on them by uh, Public Utility Commission and by uh, state legislative agencies and some federal le- legislation as well. 
So um, the and most of what we're talking about here is really pertinent to investor-owned utilities because of that split incentive and that duality that they've got to work with. So uh, regulators really can set the pace and the direction and, uh, you know, uh, have tremendous amount of influence on how utilities are going to move forward. And so, for example, in California where I live, the uh, California Public Utilities Commission has said we are going to have 33% renewables by 2020. That creates a tremendous amount of drivers for utilities then, the three investor-owned utilities in the state, to say, okay, these are the, the plans that we have to put in place and these are the programs and these are what we, these are the actions we must take in order to adhere to that, that we will get 33% of our generation capacity and capability from renewables. So, yes, um, then the, the, the Public Utilities Commission also has to reflect the voice of the consumers and the various different stakeholders there and interact with uh, the state legislative agencies and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So uh, they are very much uh, responsive to consumer issues, which is why here in California we also have an opt-out um, of smart meters for those consumers who have concerns uh, you know, based on uh, several different reasons. Good to know. Great information. Thank you. And I'm going to turn to James McClelland of SAP. James, you have a strong feeling or a strong professional perspective on energy conservation, and you say the smart grid is about energy conservation, not saving the end consumer money. You want to expand on that a little? Well, as we started the show off, uh, that the first perception everybody has been given is that we are empowering the customer to be able to have more control over when they're using their energy so therefore mm -hmm. they can save money. Right. And yes, that's that's maybe a nice marketing statement, but ultimately it's <laughs> how can we flatten out these these points of high demand when people are using devices that possibly could be used in off peak hours or, or times of low demand. How can we s smooth out those ebbs and valleys, those peaks of hills and uh, and be able to get people to use power 24 hours a day, as many as my customers, as long as I'm not exceeding demand or losing uh, you know, points that uh, I'm, I'm creating power and people aren't there to use it. So the whole idea is really to balance out that power consumption. Um, I, personally, uh, what we've seen, we've run some of our own studies, that if I change the way I use power and it ultimately is saving me $2 a month, you know, it's not about really saving the consumer money. Yes, I give you mm -hmm. an option, but it's not going to be saving a lot of money. Tell me about electric cars, a thing of the future. When will that really be popular? Is it just a novelty for the wealthy and the eccentric? How does that fare in? Oh, I think I think electric cars are coming. Uh, you're starting to see growth in it, but uh, it really won't take off until, in my estimation, that they uh, resolve the uh, uh, battery. Uh, capabilities. So until the battery can keep energy for a, a lengthy period of time, uh, if, if it's only going to work for an hour or two hours, uh, it's going to be a slow uptake. As soon as, soon as you can get the battery consumption to, uh, to be able to increase for a longer period of time and the infrastructure comes in place, then I do see electric vehicles will have its place. Uh, I think in many cases it may be a second vehicle for a family rather than the, the long-distance vehicle, so this will be the one to take the kids to school to do the grocery shopping. 
but my expectation, I think, with a lot of the data, you'll see a, a fairly good uptake around 2014, 2015. Good, and that leads us into the end of this segment. And, James, you did a wonderful segue on my behalf. I thank you. I don't even think you're aware of it because we're going to pick up the last segment with the crystal ball question. And the question will be, I want all of my speakers to predict how today's smart grid technology will evolve and change and impact the business of utilities and us as consumers five years from today, 2017. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Okay, we're back, and we're going to go into the crystal ball segment, but I must read a tweet we just got from our Malcolm. Malcolm says he's heard hysteria about smart meters and health issues. He has personally had a smart meter for years, and he doesn't feel any different. Malcolm is just really cool, and I don't think the electric meter is doing anything to change that. He still rocks. Okay, let's go to crystal ball time. Stuart Ravens, Ovum. 2017, look ahead five years. How will Smart Grid as we know it today change and impact the business of utilities and their customers? Go. Well, I'm still giggling over uh, what Malcolm just tweeted. But um, I think what we're going to see is, uh, um, first of all, I think customers are going to be more sophisticated. And why are they going to be more sophisticated? Because the energy prices are going to increase. The more energy prices increase, the more sophisticated they'll get. And also the more services that will be ad- adopted. I think utilities will have to change uh, um, 
five years' time is actually not a long time in terms of utilities. But I think, you know, if we're staring into the crystal ball, utilities have to get better at a lot of different things. The first thing is customer management, and they have to improve the way they manage their customers. There will be, you know, additional services that they have to sell. This isn't just about pumping electrons to the people that need it. Um, they also have to get better at managing communications networks because, uh, you know, this is what connects smart meters uh, um, to, to, to the utility. They have to get better at managing the electricity networks. But they also have to get better at data management as well. And, and th this is the next stage that utilities are currently facing at the moment. It's the big issue, and it's all about big data. And it's, uh, it's about analyzing data from different sources and getting those to tie in, to use those and to be more smarter in terms of managing outages, for example. The last thing that I wanted to say was, you know, that customer sophistication, uh, um, you know, linking into the home, what it's going to lead to worldwide is increased competition in the space. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I see a number of different uh, um, industries that are very interested in uh, um, uh, smart meeting and what, what it can lead to, uh, you know, help them with their own business models. And I, I look particularly at high street retailers, uh, um, telecommunications companies and uh, um, you know, cable TV companies, and I look at an e energy as being uh, you know, an attractive service that they can offer to their consumers uh, um, on top of what they offer already. And I think utilities really have to watch out, not just for other energy companies, but from companies in those areas. Great information. Thank you, Stuart. Let's turn to Christine Herzog from the Smart Grid Library. Christine, 2017, what do you see? In 2017, the most innovative utilities, and I mean the ones that will indeed thrive in the smart grid, are going to see themselves as providers of services and not just electrons, which is something that we had talked about a little bit earlier. But mm -hmm. it is going to be an attitudinal and cultural change, and it's also going to have to be a change that is just as much reflected in the faces and the thoughts of the uh, regulators that will have to also create the policies that uh, support that kind of a, a transition. On the consumer side, uh, we will see more consumers transitioning to being what I call prosumers, which is Alvin Toffler's wonderful term for producing mm -hmm. consumers. Those yep. are the consumers who are using their rooftops or using their backyards to generate some electricity uh, with the intention of uh, selling it back or getting some reward for the fact that they are helping to manage those peaks that um, James had mentioned earlier in, in terms of electricity use. So we already have uh, some uh, early adopters of that model today, but we'll see um, a pretty good uptick in the next couple of years. And by 2017, I think a lot more consumers would uh, proudly identify themselves as prosumers. And utilities will also, uh, the ones again that thrive, will be managing their changing relationships with consumer to prosumer in a, in a good fashion too. Thanks for your great insights. Christine, let's turn to James McClellan from SAP. 2017, what is in your crystal ball viewpoint, James? I think that uh, Christine and myself have purchased the same crystal ball, to be quite honest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I see utilities really starting <laughs> to get it. into more services as they, uh, uh, as they, ha as they have access to, to more big data. And big data can be weather, cell phone, electric vehicle. It can come from all sorts, not just the meter. Uh, definitely, uh, I, I see the consumer 
becoming more educated. Uh, with that, that they will quite possibly become, I think, the adoption of a pro server, becoming my own producer of energy is definitely something that uh, we're going to see uh, as, uh, as an increase. But I also see an awful big change in the, uh, in the manufacturing marketplace. Energy is a, as mm. a whole is breaking down the, the traditional barriers that you're seeing everybody getting into energy, automotive makers, uh, manufacturers. So you, you see companies like LE and GE changing all of their, their refrigerators and their dishwashers that they'll talk to the meter so it will be more intelligent devices and you'll see an awful lot more home energy devices that will blink off and on or help to control the power of the house during these high peak, uh, peak uh, price times. Um, although I, I still can't understand why it can replace the traditional when you leave the room, turn off the lights, child, and turn the TV off when you're not watching it. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Thank you, James. And let's turn to Marino. Roque Marino from Cobb EMC. Quickly, what is your view from the world of Cobb EMC? What's going to happen in the next five years? Uh, I think that the next five years, I agree with the other speakers, that um, uh, the consumers become smarter about how it uses its energy. More and more things are being plugged. We are using more energy than ever before. Um, from our perspective of a utility companies, um, uh, I would like to mention that to date we have uh, uh, tied our savings to more than $2 million and $1 million uh, to truck rolling, the trucks that go and turn your power on and off alone. So I think that uh, with the, the, um, with the protocols like the Zigbee protocol that's going to be on devices out there, um, making um, uh, the grid talk to back and forth to your AC unit out there. And uh, finally, when you have uh, all these uh, units um, making a two-way communication, I think in the end that this is going to transform the way that we use power with the way we perceive power. Thank you very much, Marino. I have to take a quick stop here to do a little housekeeping and move away from all these wonderful insights from my guests. Next week, coming up on Coffee Break with Game Changers, we'll welcome back author Becky Carroll, The Hidden Power of Your Customers. We're going to talk about customer experience case studies, loving your current customer base. We've got a great, amazing lineup of people who can talk from the trenches. March 28th, we'll talk about mobility, goes to the mall, the hotel, the airport, getting the right information to the right people, the right way, at the right place, and the right time, right? April 4th, we'll talk about how to build a BI strategy. That'll be another good one. Thank yous to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm, Kimberlin, Wendy, Ann Nesbeth, Carolyn Brock, Lucas and Patrick at 50 and 5, Kelly and everybody at 23K, and the team at the Business Channel, and welcome to our new engineer, Brad. Nice to have you on board. Hope you feel the same way about us. Special thanks to my very smart, very smart, smart, Smart Grid panel today, Stuart Ravens at Ovum, Christine Herzog at the Smart Grid Library, James McClellan at SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Solution Marketing, and Roque Marino, Director of Enterprise BI at Cobb EMC. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. We look forward to speaking with you next week right here on the Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great day. Pour a cup, and we'll see you next week right here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.